Here we go! Welcome to the Hourglass, the Power of Ten podcast. My name's Amber, and I hope you learn alongside me as I summarize weekly podcasts in 10 minutes, covering business, tech, finance, and psychology from some of the most intelligent people around. Today's episode is going to cover the Lex Friedman podcast, episode number 345 with CoffeeZilla. Together they discuss Sam Bankman-Fried and his fraud with FTX, FTT, and much more. Before we get started, here's a quick intro of Lex Friedman and CoffeeZilla. Lex Friedman is an AI researcher at MIT and beyond, a computer scientist, podcaster, and all-around great conversationalist. CoffeeZilla a.k.a. Steven Findeisen, is an American YouTuber and crypto journalist who uploads videos of him uncovering scams, fraudsters, and fake gurus. His latest discussion with Lex is about the fraud committed by Sam Bankman-Fried, the CEO of cryptocurrency exchange FTX, which recently committed, quote, one of the biggest frauds in American history. SBF could face up to 115 years in prison, to hear what transpired, its implications, and where it's going per CoffeeZilla and Lex's perspective, listen on. The Power of Ten starts now. Sam Bankman-Fried, also known as SBF, grew up in a position of privilege. His parents are lawyers who studied at Harvard. He went to a prep high school and then attended MIT. He would then later start a company in 2017, Alameda Research. Now, Alameda made their money early on crypto through what is called the kimchi premium. Alameda knew that Bitcoin on the Korean exchange was trading at a higher price point. So they would purchase Bitcoin cheaper elsewhere and then sell it back on the Korean exchange. In 2019, SBF started FTX, an exchange that dealt in derivatives. Fast forward to 2022, and SBF has committed massive fraud, upwards of $8 billion worth of client money lost through FTX. SBF claims he didn't know what was going on. He basically went from being the new Warren Buffett to the dumbest person alive, akin to Bernie Madoff, virtually overnight. One thing to note about SBF is that he was hyper aware of his self-image. He knew how to get on everyone's good side. For instance, he made public donations to Democrats worth $40 million. On a call, he also claimed to make donations to Republicans privately, as he knew journalists were a bit more liberal, so would probably hold it against him. All right, now let's move on to discuss what really happened with FTX. So first and foremost, it's important to note there are three entities involved in the fraud. FTX US, FTX International, and Alameda Research. All of them are in bankruptcy. It's clear they were commingling funds, but it's not clear how much. Regardless, that's where the fraud happens. So about the collapse, a key player is CZ, the CEO of Binance, who invested 100 million in FTX early on. After a while, CZ thought Bankman-Fried was starting to shut him out. So after reports were released on Twitter and the news that indicated FTX accounting didn't add up, CZ took FTT, which is an FTX-backed token, and decided to sell all of it. Now, FTT is a proxy, which means it's tied to the success of FTX and goes up and down with value along with the FTX token. 
after CZ sold all of his coins, people started to really worry that the claims against FTX were real. SBF claimed everything was fine, they could make the withdrawals, but a day later admitted that that was not the case, that they don't have the funds. A few days later, they claimed bankruptcy. Now, there are big and small crimes involved. Of course, SBF is trying to only take accountability for the small crimes, being wire fraud. The big crime is that $8 billion went missing. Yes, that's right, $8 billion. So how did this even happen? Let's go back to the start of FTX. It's always been very hard for exchanges to get bank accounts. So when FTX was getting started, they would have you wire money to the trading firm Alameda, then credit that money on FTX. What Bankman Freed argued is that there was an accounting glitch. When you sent money to Alameda, they would credit you in FTX, but they wouldn't safeguard your deposits. Money was given to a stub account or a placeholder account, and SBF claims he didn't know Alameda was playing with the $8 billion that were deposited in that placeholder account. Meanwhile, the terms of use indicated explicitly to customers that FTX was a holding system for your cryptocurrency only. Think of it as a bank account for Bitcoin, Ethereum, etc. That could be fully trusted. It's also clear that there was insider trading happening. Alameda knew what coins FTX was going to list on their exchange. Let's listen to what Stephen had to say about this. And I want to quickly say, too, like, I don't think a lot of people have honed in on this. There was insider trading going on from Alameda's perspective, where they would know what coins FTX was going to list on their exchange. There's a famous effect where, let's say you're this legitimate exchange, you list a coin, the price spikes. Mm -hmm. Insiders told me it was a regular practice for Alameda insiders to know that FTX was going to list a coin and as a company buy up that coin so they could sell it after it listed. And they made millions of dollars. How do you do that accidentally? The question that Lex asks is, did anyone really have any idea what was going on outside of the insiders at Alameda and possibly FTX? Well, after SBF's interview on Bloomberg with Matt Levine, Stephen had his suspicions and made a video to call SBF out. He claims in the interview, he explained a Ponzi scheme to Matt with the narrative that this could make him a ton of money, naturally raising red flags. But nobody could have guessed the massive scale of this scheme. Why didn't any due diligence happen? Could this entire scheme have been prevented and how? Are you as accountable if you're simply looking away versus if you know what's going on? The scariest part of this is how many smart people didn't see this happening at all. There was social pressure and bias and blind spots in place due to SBF's background and pretty much nothing else. His parents are lawyers. He comes from an Ivy League school. He had big names backing him, like Sequoia. These heuristics come across as trustworthy. Plus, of course, he had a way with words and a strategic, thought-through understanding of how the social system worked, and he played it. Let's talk about what the implications of this really mean besides the fact that $8 billion were lost. Based on Stephen's perspective, the little investors suffered the most. Those who invested 50000 and under are those who don't necessarily take on as much risk, don't diversify, especially younger people, and don't have more funds. Sometimes the money that they invested is everything that they own. 
Lex and Steven discuss the implications of giving one person as much power as was given to SBF with a system that is low on regulations and high on trust. There's always been mistrust in banking systems. In financial crises in the past, banks were bailed out instead of taking accountability. Crypto's job was to reinvent the wheel. Unfortunately, it demonstrated the same structure, with one person holding the power and the rest a consequence of that person's whims. The big implication here is that the trust has been broken in crypto. Take a listen to Lex's point of view. It's, I mean, it's the, the flap of the butterfly wings. So yeah, you're right. It, we should be skeptical as attributing too much to the system or the individual. It's all like a beautiful mess. Given all of these implications and the scale of the fraud, you might be wondering what happens next. Since FTX has collapsed, SBF has been in countless interviews. Steven claims that it's going to pigeonhole him. Does SBF believe he can spin the narrative? What are your thoughts? To Steven, it's clear that SBF should go to jail. Beyond that, he believes that everyone who took a part in it, everyone who knew, should face jail as well. Steven says that the biggest reason to charge them is because it disincentivizes fraud. If they simply get away with it without any repercussions, what does that tell the next SBF? The sad part is it's highly likely that the other players don't in fact get sent to jail, since many of them will make deals to throw SBF under the bus and pin it all on him. Funnily enough, Enron's lawyer is actually on the case, so the man who brought Enron down will be working to send SBF to jail as well. When it comes to the funds that were lost, Stephen believes that there should be some kind of redistribution of funds, not close to the full value, but somewhere near 10 cents on the dollar. The other major ethical concern to look out for is FTX in U.S. versus international. Who do we help? FTX U.S. was backed more than international, but it's not clear what will happen and who will be recompensated, but there is a big incentive to favor U.S. people. Lastly, Lex asks the question, how do we investigate these types of situations and check the credibility of these types of organizations? Stephen's response is that it depends on the domain. The recommendation of someone should be treated proportional to their expertise in a given domain. Stephen definitely says it better. Here's a quote from him. I think the scale of harm yeah. and therefore responsibility escalates depending on what field you're in. Just like I wouldn't hold Tom Brady as like if he gives a bad football opinion. Right. And he should have known better. That is a different scale of harm than a doctor giving bad advice. Right. Like life's like he tells you a pill works and the pill kills you or something like that. There's just le different levels of accountability depending on the field you're in. And you have to be aware of it. Finance is an extreme. You have to be extremely conservative if you're going to give financial advice because you're playing with people's lives and you cannot play with them haphazardly. You cannot gamble with them. You cannot play with them on a bet because you're getting paid a lot of money. It's just the nature of the space. And so with the with the space comes the responsibility and the accountability. And I, I don't think you can get around that. Thanks for listening to The Hourglass. I hope these 10 minutes were interesting and helped you learn something new. Please like, subscribe, and share my podcast with others. And if you're curious, go listen to the full podcast episode I covered using the link in the description. I am always open to feedback, so please don't be shy to reach out to give me some points, suggestions, or other to make The Hourglass better. <laughs> <laughs>
See you soon.